Good morning. All right. We are live. Guys, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. How are you? You think we come on like five or ten minutes before in pregame? That's what we don't. We all show up like one minute before. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. Which is good. Which means that whoever is listening is getting genuine conversation because that's how we roll. But that's right. Hey, we're here, right? Yeah. We're so, making it happen. Exactly. I'm going to be real this morning. It's coffee with closers. You all drinking coffee. I am a soda pop for my caffeine guy. I have a Pepsi Zero in my hand. I have to tell you, I'm not going to fake it anymore. Um, so th this is my coffee of choice, um, horrible wow. for me, but I'm going to throw that out there. So, uh, Hey, honesty. Right. I like it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So I got myself a coffee here though. I'm ready to go. What's going mm -hmm. on in business business boys. What's going on? It's, uh, it's good. It's a little, uh, it's hectic, but it's good. It's a good hectic, you know, we're, um, Focusing, we'll try and build out the creative finance side of the business um, for us. So we've still got the wholesale and the flips going, um, still happening. We close on one uh, Friday and a new one that we're going to flip. Uh, so that's good. We should have one being staged on Monday. It will do a kind of pre-listing uh, um, on Thursday next week. And then we have the open house on Sunday, I think. Um, so we got that happening. Uh, we got more deals that, that we're working. Um, but yeah, going to try and start adding some, uh, creative financing in. Um, but yeah, that's what I've got going on. All good. Tell us a little bit about what, what do you mean by that? Gavin? what do you, what do you, you say you're going to add some creative finance? Is that on the purchase side and the acquisition? Is that going to be on the disposition side? How are you doing it? Cause there's so many different ways. Yeah. I want to learn something new today. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know me, you know my thought process, how do I do none of it, right? Uh, and I'm happy to do it, but I don't want to be the one doing it. Um, so I have a partner on the creative side coming in, Dustin, who's done, he lives in California, and uh, he's done tons and tons of deals from acquisition roles to sub twos, creative finance, lease options uh, in multiple states. So what we're doing is we're going to be taking, there's two things, we're taking my current leads in the markets I'm in, I'm going to be trying to do creative finance on the seller side, right? Taking them down on sub two or, or owner finance or lease options. Okay. Um, and then also working with other people that are doing wholesaling um, that aren't focusing on creative. So if, if some terms are to be done, we can come in and kind of work them leads. So any working people's dead leads or if they need help closing it and JV and things like that. So that's what we're building. So I guess more on the seller side, but we'll sell on, on any of them, but I wouldn't say on the sales selling is it's more acquiring on, on to the seller, um, getting control and then dispoing accordingly, depending on the deal. Got it. So you're going to be typically using sub two and lease option, I'd imagine, or owner finance. Typically yeah, those, them three. those three probably make up about 90%, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe all of it, even it just depends, but each of those obviously can get really creative and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we were talking this morning, I just got off a coaching call and, and literally with creative mm -hmm. finance, that's exactly what it is. I think if it's, if you keep it legal, right. And then two parties agree, then anything can be in a contract. I mean, literally any terms that you can think of that you all agree on can be done. And, uh, and I think that's the, uh, that, that, that's the goal. Um, and it's solving problems, right? It's been a, a solutions company of solving problems, listening to the sellers, 
and but there's always a time and a place as well um for when creative should happen where are you what stage in 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 your investing career are you uh like don's done a lot of creative stuff you you're the bird guy right we don't do any birds but you do and i think it just depends on investing what you want but don't try and do everything if you've never done a deal like the worst thing you can do is try and just keep hopping strategies trying to grab the deal because it's, no, it's so i agree 100 percent. it's brutal you know yeah. i think wholesaling in my opinion runs everything wholesaling is is the basic the entry level the one that then gets you in the door to then take the flip down like someone said oh when should you know we don't buy if i can't wholesale it i handpick my best deals because i want to be making 50 60k spreads on my flips or i'll wholesale it and try and make 10 15. Mm -hmm. that's just my preference so yeah love it man i love it i agree completely with you on that um i i often you know spread myself thin by trying to do too many things and uh you know whenever i reel it back in and i say hey let's just focus on what we're good at or focus on you know what's working you know the business always does a whole lot better than when we're trying to do all this you know extra stuff so yeah and it's kind of you're 100 percent right and i see it and, and we're guilty as well like why go and start a new strategy for something else to go like let's say you were wholesaling 10 deals a month right and then all of a sudden you want to be creative finance but now you're going to do five wholesale deals a month to go and try and learn creative finance. It doesn't make any sense, right? And we do it all the time because we think we should be doing it. When we're in masterminds and you've got these guys doing all these things and it's like, oh, wow, I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. But you have to look at the whole structure of the business as well, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I think we're all guilty. You know, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever the saying is, you know? And sure. uh, shiny object syndrome yeah, yeah, yeah like you said it best you go to masterminds like drinking from a fire hose you yeah. get all this information all these new ideas <clears throat> you gotta and you gotta sift through you gotta learn to sift through like what is somebody you know what's been tried and true and tested like what is somebody actually doing in their business when they get up and they're doing their hot seat and they're talking about it and what is it they're getting up and sharing that they haven't tried yet or just starting to try and they're kind of maybe embellishing a little bit because they have to you know share something right and uh you know there's been a few things through the <clears throat> through my years in masterminds where i've heard something and then learned the hard way um, I went back and went and started to try it too, you know, that they, they were doing and supposedly it was great. And then they, the, you know, three months later we'd show up at a mastermind and they would say, yeah, well, that didn't really work out for us, you know? Um, and it didn't work out for me as well. So being able to sift through that, um, as well as another thing, why, why it's important to kind of stick to what works, um, and yeah. what doesn't work. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, my, my curse is, is that I'm, I'm like this, you know, I'm doing the, the one thing that I do. It took me forever to add wholesaling to, um, my operation and it was the smartest thing I ever, ever did. And then I started in 2003 doing sub two. I did sub two for five years, but I avoided sub two like the plague, um, forever, for whatever reason, I don't even know why. And we just started closing on sub twos again. So, um, it, balance balance i think is good you don't want to have blinders on but you don't want to be doing everything so, yeah. yeah yeah man speaking of going to masterminds and like drinking from a fire hose i'm the worst i'll take like i'll take like you know 20 pages of notes 
and then I'll get home and I'll try to implement some of this stuff, you know, and then I'll try to implement more of this stuff. And then before you know it, I got like 300 tabs on my browser open and I'm half, I'm half assing, you know, 30 different things. And then again, I have to reel it back in, you know, so just, man, don't do no. that. <laughs> no, it is. But I think it's good for us to be honest, because just like it's your first and you buy every course on the shelf, right, as people doing and they're going through every training and doing nothing like as you go through and you're always, you know, it's hard. It's hard to stay. It's discipline, isn't it? Try yeah. to stay disciplined and, <laughs> and not because when someone's like. I'll do, I won't even say what the service is, right? We just, me and you, we just purchased a service to find all the buyers, right? The investor lifts. Yep. Got on the onboarding, not opened it. Yeah. Spent the same, money, same. purchased it, done absolutely nothing. <laughs> same, and I have on my schedule to try to get back into more of these onboardings. Yeah. Done nothing. Time is the limited thing, right? So. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. You two completely sold me on it. Both of you, no brainer, you've got to get it. I bought this thing that never seen it. And I go on to the onboarding and he start and I said, I have no idea why I'm here. I don't even know what this thing is. And he's like, You've not even seen the demo. I was like, No. I was like, they said I gotta get it. So boom, I'm getting it. <laughs> and that's how crazy sometimes it's because it's the fear of missing out. I can't miss an opportunity when two people are saying you've got to do it, like you need to get it. And I'm like, All right, I'm getting All right. it. And I don't even know what it is. FOMO is a bitch, yo. Exactly. <laughs> it is. And I've it done nothing. I've onboarded. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Done nothing. And right. it's just like, what? I so, love yeah, that. we're no different. I, I love that. I love that you shared that. It is the entrepreneurial disease, right? <clears throat> when is enough enough? Uh, and then we're dealing with the, with an industry that's constantly changing, right? The market, the cycles are changing. How we buy, what we buy, why we buy is constantly shifting and changing. So we can't just be stagnant. We have to be changing. We're always chasing that new, next, new, great thing. But but at the same time, again, it goes back to that balance. And and then we want to take it all in. And I, I'm guilty of it. I, I've, I paid somebody, and I'm not even going to say who, 40 grand a couple of years ago to go through their, their mastermind about marketing and everything else. Um, and I never went, I never yeah. did anything. <laughs> I never oh no, it. that's a ton of money to spend and not do yeah. anything, man. Do anything and, um, and I'm, I'm only saying that because we, we try to take all these things on and then we get busy and when we can't, and, 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 and we can't do all these things. So it's so a balance going back to balance again, it's important. Balance is yeah. so important. Um, either that, either that, or bringing somebody in on your team that can handle these things. I mean, identifying whether or not you're a visionary or a uh, an integrator is important. I think the three of us on here are are classic visionaries. You yeah. know, I love the idea of some of these things, but to get in the weed is weeds is like drinking bleach, yeah. right? 100%. So, and uh, and I think recognizing that and and understanding that okay, well. Um, I'm not going to do it and being honest with yourself. So I need to find somebody that I can bring in to do it for me. Dave, you know, is, is a VA hoarder who's class classic at, at doing that, bringing, yeah. bringing a VA for everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, literally you yeah. just like doubled the team and I'm like, I don't know what these VAs are going to be doing for you, but you go for it. You're like, yeah. I got, I'll get it. I've got another VA for it. Right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, there's, there's pros and cons of course. Right. So. 
I've been spending a lot of time lately training, but it's going to be great once they're trained because then I can not do a lot of these other tasks and then have more time to go look into the new stuff that we're looking at, like investor lift and, you know, so on and so forth. So, but okay. why, is it, times. Why, why is it so hard? Okay. Why is it so hard for us to, to do that? Like you're being disciplined and training, but, but honestly reality, because most of us entrepreneurs are that way. I know if I sit down and spend the time training somebody, that's going to get me, get it off my plate. But the idea of, sitting down and spending time trying to pour what's in here out into them, I'd rather slam my head in the door. Oh, I know, right? man. It's brutal. So, but it, that, that, that's going to make our life immensely easier. Yeah. Why is it so hard? Mm -hmm. I, I want to take someone on. I just want you to do it. And yeah. I don't want to get it from here to it. Can't you just yeah. figure yeah. it out? I struggle you know? because I get frustrated easily. So it's like, you know, if I have to show it several times, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. So... But you're absolutely right, Don. If you if you just put that on the front on the front of your list, right on the top of the list, and you are able to you know get that stuff out of here and, and get the get them on board and get them trained, man, it's that those tasks go away essentially. Yep. You still have to kind of manage them and a little bit here and there, but your time shrinks for you know the the amount of time you have to spend on these items. It shrinks dramatically. Right. So. One thing yeah. you could do, Dave, if you haven't already, you might already do this, um, but your lead VAs that are really good, you need to get them to create all the training material while they're with you in case they leave. So get them to do all the training videos for you. So the next person in, you go, go and watch these. Once you've watched them two or three times, come back and show me how you're going to do it. That's kind of what my training model is now. Like it works yeah. really well. Um, because well, if they can show me, huh? How are you making videos? Are you using like Loom or you yeah, using... Loom, Stream, uh, Streamcast-O-Matic, uh, yep. where they just record the screen mm -hmm. and uh, and take them through the process, and then we they document everything, and that becomes the new training. So the next person in, or if they change out, um, all that's done. They watch them, and then all I do is say, "Hey, someone on the team or me, show me how you're going to do whatever yeah. you're trained on." If they can't show me, I know then they need more training. Or right. if they do it, like, okay, you got it. Let's go. Just an uh, idea. I love it. I use, I use both of those as well, Loom and Screencast um, as well. I love it. The only thing that makes that, and I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy. Don't take this the wrong way, oh, right? It, you guys know that's not me. That's not my MO. But what's frustrating, though, is you do a training on a software, and then the software changes. It changes, yeah. The, the layout changes, the, yeah. uh, the UI, the user interface, maybe even what that software does. Yes. <laughs> so it's yes. just it's one of these things. It's kind of like dirty laundry. Which is have... a real another reason someone else should be doing it. Because right. then you go, That's hey, the prop streams move the button. Now it's not there in that drop down. It's over here in another area. And now my training went, and then everyone's going, the button's not there. The button or whatever you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, why have you had to move that? <laughs> really? I know. I, love I get it. it. I get it. I love it. But you know, um, yeah, it's, I have been putting a lot of time. And in, in fact, I was on this morning for about an hour and a half uh, with two of my different VAs teaching them some new things. And I am going to be on probably for three to four hours this afternoon. I got a closing that I got to go sign on. But other than that, literally the rest of my day, I have planned to just teach these, you know, teach these, these team members, my, my, my virtual assistants, um, how to help me be more efficient. Right. And it's going to be great once it's all done, of course, but, uh, yeah, it, it can definitely be, uh, be a project.
So. I, I guess, Don, you asked a good question, though. Like, I, I guess as entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call us, like one of the big things is and why we're, I think we're all, all in the multipliers is to try and get the balance. Like I have, mm -hmm. a, I have a, I have a good lifestyle and I travel and I work from anywhere and I've achieved that, but I'm definitely on too much in my mind's going all the time. So sometimes I'm not present. A lot of the time I'm not present. So I'm not going to deny I'm right. not where we're having a conversation. We could be at dinner and I'm thinking about, and they, you know, a new list that needs to go out. I don't know, whatever it is, right? And it's trying to, you know, shut that off. Do you guys struggle with that as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's it's 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 been an issue for me um, <clears throat> through the years. I have three kids too, so um, you know, and it's it, it's been something that I've had to be very uh, mindful about and instill it. It's tough, you know. I'll have family over, um, you know, we'll be, we'll have a, a barbecue or something and I'll be thinking about, you know, something with work. I'll be thinking about something with content. I'll be thinking about, you know, and that's, that's part of the curse. I think, um, yeah. you know, like we talk about, you know, there's people, there's people listening to this or they'll watch this at some point, you know, that they want a laptop lifestyle. They want to work from the beach, you know, that's Gavin, you want to work from your RV, right? Um, yeah. there, there are people who want to retire at 30, um, and not do anything. Um, and, mm. and there are people like me, and I've said this a hundred times that I I'll, I'll be building businesses until I drop dead. I mean, that's just what I like to do. I don't, you know, I, idle time for me is the worst thing ever. My mind yeah. starts going hundred miles an hour and off in 50 different directions and I'm daydreaming. And, and so it's always a challenge. Um, sleep. I don't sleep a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I go to bed at midnight, one in the morning and I I'm up at six usually. Um, so I'm, you're talking about five, six hours of sleep a night. And, and part of that's just because <clears throat> I'm nocturnal by nature and my mind kicks in about 10 in the evening and just goes a hundred miles an hour. It's a blessing and a curse because some of my best ideas happen then, but I can't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, how do you, you know, I, I think it, there are a lot of people watching this that, that suffer from that. I mean, we're always striving for more and I don't know about yeah. you guys. I, I didn't come from money as a kid. You know, so where where is that point when enough is enough? You yeah, know? and I don't know. I, I think that's the, and I think people, you know, bringing that up, people are in the, um, uh, in the the W two jobs, right? I mean, it's no different. They're trying to get into this business because they're at the W two job thinking about real estate. They get <laughs> home, then they have kids and dinner, and they're thinking about real estate. And now they've actually got to work in the evening to even get anywhere right to, to 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 kind of make it happen so i think everyone that's trying to do the business struggles with it mm. but you know the, i think the thing that i'm trying to do more is just plan it better uh, like you know using a schedule to to try and like dave just said he's got four and a half hours or whatever today and he's doing this in that window i think smart and it's something that i'm trying to do as well and just do my best to kind of turn off as best you can but it's the mind's powerful. You, you know, I say to my wife all the time, like, it, it's easy to say, but it's so hard to do, you know, because if we're yeah. not, you know what I mean? I wish I could just turn it off. Yeah. But I can't. You know, and, and, and part of it is, um, you know, first we're obligated to the dream, right? Like you said, we have a W2 job or we're trying to make it happen. We're obligated to dream and therefore we're constantly thinking about that. And then, then we start to build a business and we're obligated to our family to provide we're obligated to our employees to create stability. You know, there's this, there's this, <clears throat> this sense of an 
obligation or um, loyalty to the the team you build around you and the people you care about to constantly make sure this is all here. For me, I lost everything once. I, you know, we talk about that. I, I, yeah. I lost everything. I had a million dollar judgment against me. I didn't file bankruptcy. Um, you know, I've worked my way out of, out of it. Um, and there's always that in the back of my head. I don't ever want to go back there again. Yeah. You know? So even, even when I'm super comfortable, I'm still always thinking about that next step or that next move to make sure that everything stays okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't think that's ever going to go away, you know, and how do you turn it off? I mean, you know, I just try when I go home, not to think about work. One of the, one of the things I did for a long time, and this is changing, but I didn't have a place to work at home. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a, a sufficient computer or anything in my home where I could, I could do work. And so that was one of the things I did that created a situation where I couldn't work at home. Now, I, now, you know, I, I hate having to run to the office to do stuff like this. So I'm, I'm, you know, in my new house, I'm putting a little office in there where I can actually do content and stuff. But, um, you know, but I'm going to make sure that during certain hours, I'm allowed to go in that room. Yeah. And I work from, I mean, I'm in my office at home. That's the only office I have um unless i'm traveling so yeah you know it's hard to you know i did it at the weekend like my wife she fell asleep in the afternoon and we're trying to watch a show she fell asleep i'm up i'm on the computer like uh, do you know what i mean it's and i'm supposed to be chilling out and having some time off and it's just it's difficult you know it's difficult because there's always stuff to do you're never ahead right you're never ahead because there's always something you can be doing and uh Go on. I say people are listening to this. They're like, "Why? Why get into this business?" Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> business in general, really. <laughs> any business, any business owner will say the same thing. It, it, it's, uh, but we don't have to. I think it's because we like it, and I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely there. And I think um, everyone struggles with it, you know. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. But anyway, we got any questions coming in? Who's? Uh, I know a few people are watching. Has someone got some questions? What are you struggling with? What questions do you have? Start typing them in. Yeah, time blocking, guys, is definitely uh, something that's helped me recently. You know, I often struggle with, you know, just basically when a problem comes, I try to drop everything that I'm doing and fix that problem. And that's not always the best case because mm -mm. often you don't even get the problem fixed. You just kind of half-ass it. But then you've drop the ball completely on what you were working on when that problem came in. So it's better to say, okay, cool. Let's all focus on scheduling this, you know, a fix or even a conversation this evening or tomorrow morning or sometime other than the now. Now isn't always the best time because now you're typically working on something, right? Now, if you're not, you're sitting on the couch, it's a different story. Uh, but that's one thing that I've really been struggling with and, you know, even more so something that I've really been trying to make a, an effort to, to fix is to not be so reactive throughout the day in real time. You know, obviously I'm not pushing this stuff off or disregarding it completely, but if I'm working on something, I'm going to turn my phone off. If emails and slacks are coming in about stuff, I'm going to ignore them temporarily to finish the task at hand, mm -hmm. right? I have so many open items on my to-do list. Um, and lately I've just been saying, you know what, I'm not even going to add anything to this list unless I cross something off of it. So therefore, if I have stuff I want to add, then I better get to work cleaning it up, Yeah, you know, and it's really helped. Uh, but it I always, it's, it's I discipline again, though. It's the word discipline. 
right it is because i do the same if i put something in like i'm recording content right now for a course but i know like i'm just being honest if dave starts calling me i'm answering if I'm not in mid Especially video mode, friend or somebody you respect, I'm answering it. Family. And then yeah, we're talking totally. for 30 minutes, and I'm like, oh, I've just lost 30 minutes. Like, what? And I didn't. <laughs> what did we actually talk about or get right. anywhere? It's it's brutal. But it's discipline to say I'm not answering that. But right. I'm a talker. I'm a sales guy. What I do is talk. Anything to get me off anything to do with you know uh, like that kind of stuff and it's like a distraction is and i'm looking for it right if i was an introvert and didn't want to talk to anyone it'd be seem much easier to do but i'm like oh don's calling i wonder what now what does don want now if i don't answer i'm thinking about what did he want like i'm gonna, you know I'm gonna call you i'm gonna call you like three times a day just to say hi <laughs> exactly <laughs> I'm like, hey. you know <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah so cool all right well um let's let's uh we don't have it doesn't look like we have any questions coming in so if you have questions make sure you're asking them um on the closing side of things um i've been getting back on the phones believe it or not lately one of the things we talked about last week was i wanted to kind of rebuild some things and um i have been i got on the phone uh last week and um you know had a couple conversations with sellers um yesterday i got on the phone and closed the deal um took nice. a few minutes um one of the things you know i'm looking I'm, I'm trying to figure out like you know how do i make my team better and and, and we talked about this before but um you know that you, we got to make sure that we're able to pull the stuff out of our head and pour into our people right and, and not knowing exactly what i do and why i do it i thought it was important to get back on the phones and the the call yesterday just to give a little bit of closing advice um was essentially a laydown. i'm not even gonna take credit for the fact that we were able to um that I was able to close it because the guy was ready to, to sell, you know, but ultimately at the end of the day, one of the things I've noticed that some people do when they're closing, when they get a call like that is they'll talk too much and they'll talk the seller out of signing the contract yeah. or they'll, they'll talk themselves out of, they'll talk themselves in their own head out of, out of actually taking that to the close. And uh, I actually recorded that. I'm going to put that out. But um, ultimately at the end of the day, it was about, just confirming the information and saying less is the reason why I got the contract as quickly as I did. So I want to throw that out there. Sometimes we talk or talk our sellers out of, out of the close. And, uh, and I didn't realize that, that my team has a habit of doing that every once in a while. Um, until I got on the phone yesterday and I had that all for all intents and purposes, a lay down, anybody could have closed it. Um, and had I said any more than I did, I probably would have not got that contract. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's, you know, uh, I think because on the on the other side, like they take longer, it's multiple phone calls, right? You got to dig deep and, and, and you're asking. And then when it hits you from nowhere, because it's out of the ordinary, it's like, oh, this isn't normal. You know, so you start reacting to it and go, oh, let me make sure they're ready. And I'm just going to keep digging. And you right. know what I mean? And I think that's what happens because it's going too well and it doesn't normally go like this. So I think that's a great point to know yeah. that and, and go and catch yourself doing it. So that's really good. Exactly. Exactly. You feel it feeling like you need to hit the script, right? You need to hit all the points on the script, even though this person's ready to go. Well, I still need to hit all the points on the script. You know, you get, you got to know when you need your script and when you don't, you got to know when you need to be off the cuff and when you should be scripted and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's very important listening to what the seller is actually telling you and not worried about the next thing you need to say. You know, all of that's important in talking to sellers. I think so many people in closing, so many people on here watching 
are so ingrained in making sure they hit the script or that next question they need to ask that they're not hearing what the seller is actually telling them. And so many times, if you ask a pointed question, you shut up and let the seller talk, and then you respond to what they said with another question, you shut up and let them talk, they will tell you exactly how to close them and they will almost close themselves. Yeah, that's, uh, man, that is a, that is a gold nugget right there. I absolutely yeah. love that. I'm like the anti-script guy, right? you know, in, in my organization, I, I, I don't really like them. Now, what I do like is simple bullet points, just because if the conversation mm -hmm. goes stale, then you need something to say, right? You don't want to be right. that awkward person that's not mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah. Uh, but, but I totally agree, Don. I love that you said that because, you know, oftentimes when you're on the phone, even when you're in the field and you're with the seller, you know, they may not want to talk about the property right away. And if you're the pushy person that's like trying to sell them on, on, you know, you being the buyer for that property, it's no different than somebody on the phone trying to sell you a new phone system. It's like, no, I don't want your phone system, right? Mm -hmm. No, I don't want you to buy the house right this second. Instead, I want to tell you about all this stuff that's in the garage and how it got here and what my plan is. And then I'm going to listen and I'm going to say, well, you know, if you if you have a plan for it great but if you don't you know i can i can buy this house with that stuff in there I, I will i'll do that for you right but that would have never necessarily came up without them telling me about the stuff in the garage so just a random example of course here but oh, absolutely but Still going you know going on what they say is mm -hmm. um is much better to carry the conversation what take the conversation where they want to take the conversation right yeah. Don't try to force it along your own path. And that, that comes twofold. That's, that's fantastic what you said. Absolutely. Because again, they're telling you exactly what their needs are and they're telling you what result they want. And they're telling you basically how to close them. What, what solution to provide? We're solution providers. We're, we're problem solvers. If you listen, they're going to tell you how to solve their problem. Right. The other, the other thing too is like we had a conversation in here the other day um, now that we're on a roll with this. And I was talking to one of my acquisitions uh, people and she asked me, you know, they have this issue um, with this renter that they, they really care about, you know, and how do I solve that problem? How do I make them feel better about this? And I asked her, have you asked them, you know, what they think the solution should be? Right. Uh -huh. Asking pointed questions again, sometimes putting the solving the problem back on the seller as well, asking them some ideas they've thought about some things they may have tried that may not have worked or what they feel the best outcome would be. And then listening to what they're saying as well is another way of allowing them to tell you how to solve their problem. So yep. letting them tell, tell their story or asking them what they've done as a solution or what they think the solution should be are two ways to have them tell you how to close them. Yeah. Hundred percent, and and while you're talking, right, you're not gathering information. That's the way that that I look at it, right? You're you're making sales when you're listening. That that's the whole point of of, of a good salesperson is to listen and then re use that information back to the seller right that's all you're doing you're recycling what they're telling you um if you're hitting on pain points or discussions or emotions or, or whatever and I, I think you know i got from claude diamond that sales is sales is dangerous because you can get people into an emotional state to make a decision that maybe isn't right right so i think you've got to do things in the right way but i believe that that if you can get them emotionally involved i mean you two did it to me i just told you that the emotion you gave me, I've made a decision 
complete emotional, zero business thought into it, all emotional <laughs> and I'm all in, right? Those are the best it's, ones, right? And they're the best ones. But if you've done it, if you, but here's the thing, right? This could have been the worst software, the worst thing ever. And you could have been doing it as a big old laugh and I've still bought it anyway, right? And right. that's the thing of playing on emotion. And that's the key when you're talking to sellers, you've got to be doing the things right way. Because if you start playing on the heartstrings, you can literally get what you want. It just needs to be right for them. That's all I'm all I'm saying. And while you're listening, and you again, I'm with Dave. You know the questions. It's just ask a question, and then just you know just interact with them on that, and then ask another question. You're just getting deeper and digging and, and find out what's going on. Yeah, all fantastic. You mentioned Claude Diamond. <clears throat> I got to tell this story. Circa 2002, uh, I didn't have uh, two two nickels to rub together. And I found Claude Diamond online. I reached out to Claude and I'm like, I, I will take out your trash. I will mow your lawn. I will do whatever it takes. Just mentor me. And he basically told me in, in, in Claude's terms, you know, he basically said, you have no money and you have, you're, you're, you're going to be a waste of my time. <laughs> and uh, essentially, but the way it, that's, 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 that's what he said. And what I heard, but basically what he said was, you know, Don and sales, you got to know when it's time to work with somebody, when it's not time to work with somebody, and it's not time to work with you. So, you know, if you're ever going to be a good salesman, you need to know when to move on. And that was the end of our conversation. Um, <laughs> hey, Claude, I got, I got two awesome. fingers for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, no, Claude's a good dude. I've, I've interviewed him for the podcast now. I don't yeah. think I told him the story, but it's just, it's just funny. You mentioned his name and, yeah. uh, and, and Claude told me like, you're not ready, buddy. <laughs> and, and he's, and, but he's not, he's not shy. He said, I'm no. in the business to make money today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the business. And he to means it. I'm yeah. in the, I'm in the business to make money today. No, he's, that, a great, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. He's, he's entertaining for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, That's so good. cool, cool. Great, great advice. I, I still don't, uh, let's see. Can you guys look up deals? Uh, oh, Ricardo Rosales. That's our guy. That's our guy, Ricardo. <laughs> hey, what's up, Ricardo? Hey. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Can we lock up deals for him? Yeah, I'll lock up deals for you there, buddy. I want 110% Absolutely. of profit. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, Ricardo is good. Man, I love Ricardo. Love he's the, he's yeah. the best. We got to get him yeah, on here. Uh, we have. You know what I was thinking about? It. You know, we should ask the audience, the listeners, the viewers, of course, here, you know, who they want to see on on here with us. Because, you know, we're, we, we are going to be inviting guests. Now, this is what, episode mm -hmm. three. So, you know, we're still kind of getting the hang of this here. But um, we, we would love to bring guests on the show. So maybe we'll bring on Ricardo. Ricardo, I'm sure, is going to be a great uh, resource to teach us a few things and share some gold nuggets. Maybe we'll see if we can't get him on, you know, next week or the week after. Um, yeah, absolutely. But we'd love to start bringing some people on the show and interviewing them. And, you know, not only will they get hit with questions from Don, myself and Gavin, but also you guys. I mean, that's really the whole purpose of this weekly show is to interact with the people that are listening and viewing in real time. So we appreciate, you know, everybody that's here right now and uh, we want to help, right? We have a vast amount of knowledge in real estate, the three of us, plus the, any guests that we of course bring on. Right. And, yeah. um, and we're, and we all do, you know, a little bit different, different stuff in, in terms of real estate when we are, you know, really in our, in our zone. So we have a lot of good resources to provide for everybody. And uh, yeah, we all yeah. Just love helping. 
Give I think as well, I think it's important, like, when we all don't agree. I quite like it, you know, yeah. when we all, not <laughs> not in a good way, because we do things different, you know, right. and everyone's got their own spin on it. And I think that's good, because what we're demonstrating is more way, more than one way to do something. Ricardo know, says right the week you. after, so not next week, but the week after, this is your official yeah. invite. So you're going to be on the show, not next week, but the week after. It'll be episode five. Perfect. All right. We have I'm a excited. He's, the, he's yeah. the best. He's a cool dude. We 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 were with him in uh, in Key West as well, right? So yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think is the best for PPC carrot or funnel type um, page, basically? So, it's a good question. I, yeah, it's a great question. And and so I don't do PPC, and, and I'm probably not qualified to answer this. And, and and I don't know if you guys do PPC, but I I will say what I've heard about PPC. Let's hear it. Um, you you need to have uh, a page that's specifically geared towards making sure that Google likes it. Um, it needs to load quickly. Load um, very quickly, right? Very, very, very quickly. quickly. <clears throat> it needs to be clean. Um, it needs to be to the point. Um, usually a video at the top of the page seems to work really well with PPC. And then, of course, the call to action at the top of the page, um, from what I'm told. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, what I do know for a fact that anybody uses PPC um, if you are going to do PPC, it becomes very expensive. If you're not acting quickly on the leads, in other words, a lead comes in, you need to call it because that person is looking to solve a problem right then and there, right then and there. And if you're not responding right away, they are moving on to the next one. So if you're going to invest in PPC, make sure you have a pace page that loads super, super fast, which means you're probably not going to want to have a pre-produced page like, uh, like a carrot page. Um, and you are going to want to have your team set up to where you can respond almost immediately when that lead comes in, be it notified via text or whatever when that lead comes in so you can respond immediately. Otherwise, it's going to be a very expensive way to throw money away. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, you know, Carrot's not bad. It's not a bad site by any means. Just no. don't try to build it out too intensively, right? So you know, one of the things that I have to constantly remind myself is when it comes to call to action, you don't want multiple choices. You want one choice, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when it comes to carrot or any funnel type one page site is what this person said. It doesn't really matter in my opinion. You know, uh, speed is definitely key, not only in load times, but also in speed to lead, meaning how fast you can get them on the phone, right? If you're doing cold calling or other things, you know, it still matters in terms of speed to lead, but it really matters with AdWords. One, they're trying to solve their problem right now. Two, you're probably paying three to 10 times for that lead with AdWords than you are with most other types of lead sources, right? Yeah. Um, now, again, I actually use a carrot site currently for pay-per-click, but it's really, really, really dumbed down. Right. There's no there's not additional pages on that site. It's a landing page, one page, basically. And it has, I think, three or four call to actions that all go to the same. It's all the same call to action. It's one call to action. Right. Not three or four, but there's three or four places on the site that can basically start that call to action. So, yes, yeah, speed on your website, speed to lead. And then, you know, in terms of call to action. You want one thing, call this number or fill out this form, right? And that's basically it. Now, if you have that multiple times on the site, that's okay. Because again, the goal is to collect their information or get them to call you. But don't put on there the option to 
you know, fill out your website and then also a page where they can go learn more about your company and then another page to see your, you know, your, your experience and then another page because what's going to end up happening is they're going to get lost and then they're going to get yeah. tired and they're not going to fill out that actual call to action. So simple is truly better. Less is yeah. more. And I think right? it need, as Don said, it needs to be at the top. It's got to be the first yeah. thing they see. Because if it's not simple, and they'll just go to the next one. And he's right as well. If you're not straight on it, they're going to go and search the next one in line in Google, and they're going to try that and fill it out again until someone gets on the phone with them. So right. really, really good. It's a yeah, good that's question. Actually, that's a great question. Now, yeah. Investor Lift, uh, which Gavin and, and Don and I are all kind of playing with. It's a new software. Um, I was watching a demo the other day, and, and their sites are fast. Woo. Uh -huh. 97, 98% fast in terms of the Google rating on speed. When you go to Google, Google page speed tests or whatnot. So I am curious to start playing around with those. But like, like you said earlier, Gavin, it's like when we got, whenever we find some time, right? I, know, I have a fast page. I just don't do anything with it. <laughs> right. Oh dear. Funny. <laughs> so awesome. Gavin, are you doing any pay-per-click? No, no, not, not I'm not. Not currently, no. Um, I think, again, this is my opinion. I think if you're going to be a national wholesaler, I think it works fantastic. If you're willing to work any market across the US or even statewide to keep the cost down. But when you start narrowing PPC down to targeted markets, the, the, the cost per lead is just insane. Uh, the last people I talked in Phoenix, I have a few friends that were doing it. You know, they're paying, you know, $450, $550 a lead. It's just wow. insane. You know, to me, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense for yeah. targeted. Um, I, I, so it just doesn't work for me. But I think if I was had the team where I was like, I'm just going to be a nationwide, I'm going to go anywhere. And then you get the cost per lead down. You know, you're probably looking at 40, 50, 60 bucks, 65 bucks a lead. Then I would think something like that. Um, it's more affordable to lock up motivation uh, kind of anywhere. And if you have the, the sales team to be able to, sell on a virtual level and, and pop up in Michigan or Ohio and then California or wherever you're doing it, uh, then it, then it makes sense. Well, that's kind of my reasons. I've, I've tried it in Birmingham. We work 31 zip codes, um, and it just can't, it's just too expensive. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It depends on your market. Definitely. It definitely yeah. depends on your market. Um, you know, the more cap, it's just the nature of AdWords in general or pay-per-click in general is a auction this is how it typically works so if you have you know two people in a market you know they're going to be competing against each other it's maybe not get bid up too much but if you have 200 people in a market trying to do it yeah i can see how it's easily going to get up to that four or five hundred dollars per per lead right so you know my advice would be just play with it start learning it uh, especially with you know, the changes to the TCPA, right? Um, the Traced Act and, and whatnot. I don't really know exactly what that's going to look like. In fact, I don't think most people do yet, right? Um, but I don't, I definitely do not have all my eggs right now in the cold calling and cold texting basket. The majority of, of, of my leads are coming in that way right now. But what we have done recently, and, and I, I think this is really good advice for people that, are only doing cold calling or only doing cold texting right now. You know, I think that what you should should maybe consider doing is, you know, di diluting 
a little bit of those efforts um, to and in, in putting them into something else that isn't going to be affected by those changes, right? So some of the things that we are doing, um, Ricardo says, nobody knows about TCPA. Even the carriers don't know how it's going to be rolled out. He's exactly right. This is going to be huge when he gets on because this guy, when it comes to texting, is a different level. So uh, it's going to be good to get his thoughts on what he thinks going on in the market with this. Yeah, nobody um, really knows. So here's the deal. I'm still cold calling. I'm still cold texting. Nothing's changed with my business. However, I'm taking proactive steps now to build out a more routine direct mail marketing budget and campaign as well as a more routine marketing campaign for my pay-per-click, right? Amongst a couple other things too. I'm not I'm not stopping the cold calling and the cold text. And let's be honest, right? I'm not gonna lie to you guys and say that I am. I'm doing it, right? But when this when these changes take effect, it could be minor, minimal, and hopefully it is, but it could be major. I mean, it could it could essentially disrupt that marketing method. And again, we don't really know yet. How that's going to look i've heard i don't know how true it is but i've heard that you're going to have to register your phone numbers yeah yeah so what did matt say here matt said just going to be registered campaigns can't rotate numbers shouldn't be that bad if oh. any if anything people who keep doing it will probably do amazing yeah i don't disagree at all here, i don't disagree more, yeah here's one more comment we just we registered with the phone carriers last week it's simple they just want to know what your text messages are blah 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 right so um <clears throat> that's not so much the issue um having to register um it's the liability um, right i think it went from two years to four years um that people can go back and sue you um, there is greater visibility. Um, a lot of companies that were cold texting, um, they, you know, let's just be honest, they're, they're shadows, right? They're operating in the shadows. They're not necessarily disclosing what their company is until they actually get a potential lead on the phone to avoid liability. You're not going to be able to do that. Now you're going to have a big spotlight on this is who I am sending the message to you. And if you have a potential litigator, they're going to have a lot more visibility on who you are and how to go after you. And that's yeah, also the statute of limitations. So Matt, Matt says, you know, we, Matt says we do know. Okay, cool, Matt. I'm not arguing with you by any means, and I appreciate <laughs> appreciate you being yeah. here. But you you don't you don't know because here's the deal, man. Once we once we once this takes effect and you register your campaigns. You know, you think, okay, hey, nothing's really changed. I just registered my campaigns. Well, that's fine, but the statute of limitations is four years, I believe. Am I right, guys? It went from two to four, I believe. Went from two to four. Yeah. Right. And, and so, yeah. It's, it's, so it's basically, if you do have the litigators, they're going to have more time to essentially come in and and litigate. Right. Yeah. They also are going to have more transparency. It's going to be easier for them. So again, I'm not stopping. Don't take this this conversation as you know necessarily anything too crazy. It's you know it's really if anything, it's a warning. Hey, things are changing. Let's obviously comply. I hate getting spammed with with things that I don't want either. So at the same time, I'm kind of on both sides of this. Like, hey, this is the most cost effective marketing, but at the same time, you know, I personally don't like getting getting texts or emails from people that I don't know either. So you, again, there's, there's two sides to it, of course, you know, but yeah. I have heard of more and more people recently. I'm sure you guys have as well uh, mm -hmm. that have, have had issues. They've been sued or have lawsuits. Mm -hmm.
you know, anywhere from eight to 20,000 bucks for calling or texting somebody that they weren't supposed to. And again, I think it's super rare. You know, you yeah. hear one or two people from time to time and let's be, you know, how many people are out there cold calling and cold texting every day? I mean, oh, God, tens yeah. of thousands, right? Maybe, maybe even hundreds, hundreds of thousands, thousands. Yeah. hundreds of thousands, right? So, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. So, so the numbers are very, very low, but what's going to happen, I think, is when these, when this takes effect, you know, these litig, it's really, it's, it's, and here's the thing, it's empowering litigators to start coming after you more because they have more time to do it and they have more transparency into who you are. So yeah, again, I'm not going to stop necessarily, but I think it, it does definitely make sense guys to explore. It's just, you got to just keep your eye on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, the, main, the, main, the main dollar question is, is, is litigation just going to become the cost of doing business or is litigation for you and your business right. something to take your legs out from under you? hundred percent. And, that's and, and we know people, Oh, I do. I don't know about you guys. Well, you do know who they are. But they'll go, I'll pay 20 grand fine, no problem doing it. Yeah. Because yeah. they're making way more money. So like, if I get caught, I'll just pay the fine. Now, again, it's us teaching as educators. We can't be sending you down to go and get sued, right? But I'm just right. saying what people are saying that are in the business, they don't care. And they're just like, whatever, just pay it. Yeah. Because guess what? We just made 100 grand. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt says, if you're blasting out more than 10K text per day, it will probably affect you. So here's my rebuttal, though. If you're sending out 500 texts a day, why would it be any different than 10,000 texts a day? I mean, it only takes that one bad apple. So, you know, obviously it's going to take longer to get He's that. He's just saying probability, apple. isn't he? Yeah, and He's I'm not arguing off volume. Matt, again, I appreciate that you're yeah. here. Matt, you know, Matt, we, Matt, Matt, no, Matt's a good dude. Matt's Max actually, uh, you know, but I, somebody that I've been talking to and working. Oh yeah, I'm happy that he's yeah. here in comedy. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to argue yeah. by any means, but yeah. I don't necessarily think I agree with that. You know, ten thousand texts per day. Well, that just means it's going to be more let's likely. Get Matt, let's but, get Matt on next week. Let's <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, it's one of those, I mean, it only those, takes those that things. one bad apple is really yeah, what I'm getting at. I always you know? use use the analogy like, you know, okay, in marketing, right? If you, if it takes you 13,000 postcards on average to get a deal in your market and you're only sending 1,000 a month, the likelihood of you getting a deal in a year is is slim. But yeah. I always say a broken clock is right twice a day. Mm. You Love may you, you you may hit it out of the park on your first mailing of a thousand pieces. You just may step in it, right? And it's the same thing with litigation. The more you do, the more likely you are to get the litigation versus the less you do. But a broken clock is right twice a day. There may be an opportunity where you just step in it on the first blast you do. And mm -hmm. that's just it's just it's just the law of averages, you know. Yeah. We years ago we did uh we did bandit signs in Jacksonville, Florida, right? And we hired a guy that puts up signs every single day for this for another business that he does. And I'm like, hey, we need some signs putting up, and he was down to do it. The first sign he stuck in. We got the police pulled up. We got fined. Right, oh. the first. And this guy does it every single day. The first sign on the first intersection he was doing, he got. We got a fine that we had to pay. And it's it just like just the look of the draw, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he couldn't even believe it. Right. Yeah. We had a we had a question here that takes us in a different direction. So <clears throat> from uh, Justin Smith, should I go virtual? I'm in Northern California, and it seems like every potential lead has been hammered many times already. Any suggestions? Um, Justin, I'm in California, so I, I think I'm probably the most qualified to throw this at you. 
I, I would, I don't know what part of Northern California mean, whether that's like Sacramento or Modesto, or if that's the Bay area, I will tell you in Northern California, the Bay area part of California, um, it is, there's a lot of competition. You have a more sophisticated seller. Your entry level home is usually half million to a million dollars, depending on what market you're in. So when somebody has 10% equity, you're talking about, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in equity on a million dollar home versus like in Fresno where our median home value is now three three fifteen, and they have 10% equity, they have $30,000 in equity. So you're going to have a buyer that has more, or seller that has more options in the Bay. It's going to be a little harder to find deals. I will say this, the Sacramento perfect, which is, is still uh, less competitive than the Bay, but it's still a fairly competitive market. I've done a lot of flips in Sacramento. Um, in Sacramento, in the Bay Area, when you hit a deal, you're usually going to hit it out of the park. Um, you're going to have a very, very good margin compared to the rest of the country, but you're going to spend a little bit more money and do a little bit more work turning the gold, turning the dirt to get the gold. So um, the, the million dollar question about going virtual, I still think Sacramento area um, is a great market to be in. Like I said, I've done quite a few deals there. I made a lot of money there. Um, it is competitive. Um, you just got to look at like what's your budget and your bandwidth. Um, you know, there are like, we're in Tennessee, right? Um, we have, we're, we're constantly doing deals in Tennessee, but they're all base hits They're You know, they're all base hits. So we're doing more work for the same amount of money that we'd make, um, in, you know, doing deals just in California, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, where do we do, I guess, less work, we're doing more marketing, spend a little more money, but we're doing less work, right? When we get we're wholesaling or rehabbing in California, we're making, we're making more money because our, our, our spreads are bigger in California. So um, I, I would ultimately, at the end of the day, look at your budget, look at your bandwidth and uh, make a decision, make a determination from that as to whether or not I would be going into a new market and do it virtually uh, at the end of the day. I hope, I hope I'm clear on answering that. I mean, you, you're going to turn a little bit more dirt. You're going to get more gold in California. Um, you're going to turn less dirt, but you're going to get smaller pieces of gold in other States. Um, you know, your marketing budget's going to be less in other States, but your profit margin is going to be less as well. So you just got to determine what your ultimate goals are, what your bandwidth is, what That's, your budget is. And then I love that last part. You nailed it right there. So, you know, yeah. should I go virtual? Well, pros and cons. And really, it depends I mean, upon what's your what's your exit if you, if you're or what's your goal. If your goal is to get a fix and flip, it's probably not a good idea to be marketing in Idaho if you live in Northern California. Like unless you plan on driving there or doing it or doing that particular part of the business virtual. So, are you just trying to wholesale? Then it really doesn't matter if you're doing it locally or if you're doing it, you know, uh, virtually. Um, but if you're trying to buy rental properties, you know, where are you trying to buy those at? You know, so definitely some pros and cons but like you said I think, Brian, yeah i think for me is if you're not going to have the budget if you're not willing to spend on the marketing okay of, of up to in my opinion five plus thousand a month in that market if you're not willing to do that you should 100 percent go virtual especially for wholesale if it's, and you're not doing creative finance i'd go virtual i'd learn the trade i'd go and make money i'd hone your skill and then i would bring it back to california that's what I would do. Personally. Yeah, there's, yeah. It, it's, 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 again, it's balanced, right? I mean, it's so much easier to learn a market in your backyard yeah. uh, than it is in, in, to do it virtually. But like our cost per deal is, is significantly less in Tennessee than it is in California, but our, our margins are also half. Our profits are also right. half. That's what I was just going to ask, yeah. you know, like yeah. here in St. Louis, you know, our average wholesale is probably eight grand. But the caveat is we cherry pick all the best deals and we don't wholesale them. We keep them as rentals and we keep them as fix and flips. So if I was to remove that from the equation 
it's probably going to be somewhere around 12 to 15 grand, you know, on a wholesale here. Don, what is the average wholesale in Fresno, California? We're averaging about 25,000. Uh, right 25,000. It's yeah. double, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Gavin, yeah, we're, we're averaging 12 in Tennessee, just to throw in there. So there you go. So 12 in yeah. Tennessee, roughly, you know, eight to 12 here in St. Louis, depending on if you're cherry picking, uh, 20 to 25 in Fresno. Gavin, what about your markets? What's your average? Yeah. So, yeah. So for Bama, you're looking just on the wholesale, probably about 15,000. Um, and then, but obviously that's not including the ones that we flip. Because normally, if it's a good deal, we'll take it down ourselves. Exactly. So you're cherry picking too, right? And that that yeah. pulls your numbers down. I often have to remind myself that I am that I am good at this business and I know what I'm doing, right? Because I'm like, man, all my buddies are getting twenty five thousand dollar wholesales, and we get them sometimes too, right? But we're cherry picking the best deals, so it's pulling down those averages, right? Yeah. Um, so again, that's gonna be a that's going to affect you know, your, your wholesales or your, your profit spreads too. Are you cherry picking those best, you know, the best deals for your personal fix and flips or, you know, your personal rentals as well. So that's a, that's a great question. And really, I think it all circles back to the goal. You know, there's really no right or wrong answer to that question. There's just pros and cons both ways, right? So what's the goal? Are you just looking to wholesale you know, you're going to have way bigger spreads locally in California, but it's going to be few and far between. Whereas if you go to the Midwest or just somewhere outside of California, you know, it's probably going to be easier to come across the deals, but you're going to have to do more deals to make the same amount of money. So, yeah, excellent question. Thank more you for asking. Um, really good. Yeah, really good. Absolutely. I like that a lot. That's what that's good. Awesome. Um, what time are we at? Okay, we're at time. What are you guys? Well, Donna, I think he stepped away real quick. Um, I've got another call um, right now. What have you got? Have we got a hard stop? Uh, not necessarily, but you know, maybe let's go another five or ten. How's that sound? All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to get off in a minute, but I'm going to wait for him to come back. Yeah, that's fine. Cool, cool. Guys, I definitely um, want to recommend going and checking out our free resources. I was up till about 2 a.m. last night working on this site. <laughs> it's going to be a work in progress, of course, uh, but head on over to Coffee with Closers Live. Um, on that page, you will see that we have some free resources as well as some of our secret weapons. So we have a wholesale contract over there that we're giving away. We have a joint venture agreement over there we're giving away. And this is all 100% free, by the way. We have an assignment agreement and a seller lead sheet. So these four things are things that Myself, Gavin, and Don are actually using in our own business right now, which is awesome. Um, we do have a Facebook group that's linked in there too. And then we have two of our secret weapons linked in here right now. And we'll be adding more of this stuff as time goes on. Uh, but Batch Leads is literally one of my favorite, favorite software tools for real estate investing. Um, right now, they're giving away 5,000 property records for free along with a seven-day free trial. Um, again, you can find more information about that over on our website. And then Batch Driven is also another one of my favorite driving for dollars softwares. And um, they are actually giving away 100 free skip traces um, if you use the, you know, the promotional link that we have over on the website. So I love both these services. I'm using both of these services in my business daily. And uh, one quick note about Batch Leads. Um, Batch Leads is probably my number one favorite software at this point. It's my favorite tool 
for investing. And the reason is, is because of the match savings. And we had mentioned this the other day, but I was, I did a bunch of skip tracing this week and I saved about $500 by not skip tracing the same lead that I already yeah. owned, you know, and 500 bucks, you know, to some people that's, that's nothing. Some people that's a ton. Yeah, but right? it adds up, doesn't it? That's it adds key. up. But the Regardless thing Regardless if it's a lot of money yeah, or not and that, and over a year. It, it adds up, right? And basically, you know, I spend probably about 500 bucks a month um, on my software, like on the, you know, the, the monthlies and the, in the fees within it. So in theory, you know, if you, if you, the more you use it, the more you're going to save, right? Cause you're already going to have the data, but it's to the point now, and I'm probably about, I don't know, a year in or so, maybe a little longer with batch leads, but the savings I get from the match savings more than pays for my spend. So, I mean, look at it that way, you know, the more you use it, the more you're going to save. And essentially it's going to make that software become, you know, free. Now, again, there's a catch there because you're still paying for it, but you're getting that money back elsewhere. So highly recommend that. Go check out coffeewithcloserslive.com for those resources. We're going to be adding some new stuff to that. Uh, we're going to be adding in some information about the mastermind. Um, and then, of course, some of the other secret weapons. And if you guys ever need anything that's not on there, you know, reach out. Let us know. You can also send a text um, to flip at 314-310-5221. And that's probably going to be the best place to connect with us outside of our individual social medias. Um, from there, we can actually have a you know have communications and, and correspondence with you in there. And if there's a resource that we don't have on our site that you want, shoot us a text. Let us know what that is, and we will do our best to get that to get that added. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, let's probably wrap it up for today. Anybody that's uh, on, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We appreciate uh, you asking questions. That's what this is all about. It's to help you guys become better investors. And of course, we have fun doing it. So that's it. That's a wrap, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.